Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vox Podcast. Uh, I, Mike Erie, am here along with Bonnie Lewis and Timothy Stafford. And at least two of the three of us are very depressed this morning. Um, I am depressed uh, because my uh, Cleveland Browns, with immense talent, have proven themselves to be the same old Cleveland Browns on national television. Um, I, I literally, so I don't, I, I try not to cuss a lot because I don't ever want those words coming out of my mouth when I'm speaking. So I try to practice like <laughs> verbal discipline. So, so like if something ever happens and you're on stage, uh, you know, you don't just kind of slip up. So, um, I was so frustrated that I was combining like daggone it and freaking elf and like, just, <laughs> I mean, just nonsensical words and anger, uh, 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 which delighted my son to no end. When he said, well, Dad, why don't you just use the words? I'm like, no, son. This is this is what it looks like to be godly. And um, <laughs> Freaking elf. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, I'm depressed. I'm depressed for that reason. Tim Stafford, though, has much better reasons to be depressed. Tim, if I were to describe him to you, um, is haggard. Oh my um, gosh, that's not dark, what I would say. Dark circles under his eyes. Yes. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the normal sort of polished beard is frazzled and scraggly and the hair is just flowing everywhere, so there's a hat on it. But um, Tim, one of the joys of living in California are the wildfires that happen every fall. That is one of the joys. And um, and you happen to be in an area where they've decided to take preventative measure. Tim, would you please describe the joy of living in Auburn, California right now? <laughs> we're right in the heart of the big power outages. So we're on our second round of power outages. Although this time they just kind of said, it'll maybe happen, it'll maybe happen, it'll maybe happen. And then about an hour out, they're like, it's going to happen. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, now these power outages are designed to keep fires from happening. Yeah, because there's there's it was it was really windy yesterday, not like catastrophically windy, but it was definitely windy, and they're afraid the power lines are going to get blown down and start fires because that's what happened with the big fire over there in Paradise last year. Right. So PG and E, which is the power company here, is trying to to preemptively take care of uh, fires by just turning all of our power off. Right. Which. No, it's it's fantastic because then you use fire to cook and candles for light, and absolutely. and it's absolutely genius <laughs> how that works. Yep. Um, and then your your daughter has a field trip, but the woman yeah, or, or the now. person trying to get your daughter isn't responding on text because their phone probably died. So yep. I mean, is haggard? I know Bonnie objected to it, but is haggard? Is that an accurate description? Would you say today? I would say Haggard is very accurate, and you could throw in some version of angry. <laughs> so hangry could could hangry. also mean could also mean haggard and angry. Hangered, hangered. I like Hagrid. it because I'm when, Hagrid. I like yes. it because Tim's angry is like just is still like and also angry, just like yeah. super no, I'm, I'm just monotone. You the PG version. Tim's Tim's angry. Tim's angry is this subtle like. Like he'll go straight from being the kindest person to murder, and there's yep. you'll never see it. There's yep. no physical escalation; yep. it'll just happen like that. I'm like a lifetime movie all onto myself. 
I'm, I'm more of a behind the music kind of guy, a VH1 <laughs> behind the music. Okay, Bonnie, how how are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Yeah. All right. So one third uh, of the trio was doing great, but you have big news, Bonnie. Well, I have a few pieces. Number one, okay. I'm 35 yep. now, Woo. which is most of the way to 40. Okay, some would say. Yep. And yep. then halfway to 70. I can't tell you how many comments on like on Instagram, and Facebook I got that said like. Um, happy birthday. Glad you're creeping towards 40. Yep. With a wink. <laughs> it's true. Because of you. That's true. I don't think yep. anybody else would say. Number two, I got my leopard spanks. Oh, boy. That oh, I asked for. All you for. asked for in life. And, and Side does listen to the podcast. He sure does. Yep. And then I didn't get my chair yet, but that's not size fault. I can't decide on one. Okay. Oh. That's fair. But that's none of that is the news of which I'm yes. speaking. Okay. The other big news is that I've decided to expand my horizons. And so I said to Josiah, I will dive into the um, Marvel movies. Is that right? Is that who made them? Yes. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. So I've already watched Iron Man about a year ago. And then nice. <laughs> so last night we watched Captain America. Now, I fell asleep. But yeah. no, it's not. It's not one of the best. It's normal for me to fall asleep yeah. in any film. So Harry I'm going to. Potter? Gonna, yes. I <laughs> fall even, asleep in the Potters? Yes. I won't fall asleep reading a book. Okay. But I have fallen asleep in every Harry Potter movie, too. Um, that's okay. backwards. All right. That's fair. So that's just how my brain is. But so I'm going to rewatch it the re or watch the rest of it, you know, this week. But uh, yeah, I feel invested so far in the character. Nice. Well, guys, this is all big news. I'm sure you're fascinated <laughs> by our comings and goings. But I purposefully skipped Hulk. I said I'm not I draw the line there. No, the, the 08 Hulk is is worth. I going to watch it. That's I, what I, my, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um there there are a couple of later easter eggs and later movies, but it's only it's only to reward the like 12 people that watch the 08 Hulk. <laughs> um so so we've got a bit of a recap. I need to do some recapping, guys, before we before we hit it today. We were we're recording this um, on a Monday in October. The the week before this, we were all in Southern California together, and um, we recorded some mini episodes that we're also going to debut on our YouTube channel. We uh, Bonnie and I did an event together called Heated. Yeah, where um, where we talked about uh, why it is that we changed our minds about women and leadership in the church, and um, and there were some great questions. It was it ended up being like a two hour kind of thing, and it was it was fantastic. And mm -hmm. then we did some photo shoots where Bonnie did wardrobe changes, and, um, and Tim wore his black. tweed. <laughs> Tim wore his tweed, um, his jacket, uh, and all of you know. So I mean, we're we're guys, we're a big deal. We are a big deal. <laughs> We've arrived. I um I had to have makeup put on, and not just make like put on, but caked, like to soak up the amount of moisture that comes <laughs> off of my head. And so, I mean, literally, it was a powder check every two seconds. Um, but we, but we look good, we feel good, we had a great week, and then I, I did something um with some friends uh, called Q Commons, and and thank you for those of you listeners who came. Uh, we had lots of people come to both the Heated and the Q Commons event who are podcast listeners, and so it's so fun to see you and meet you face to face. So thank you for doing that. Uh, any anything else you guys want to throw out about our, uh, our our little joint venture together in SoCal? We had fun, and we're gonna have um, the Heated conversation up on YouTube 
right? And so that'll be good yep. for people that couldn't and, make it. And release it. the audio will be released. Perfect. Yeah. So it was and, good. Uh, as a podcast. Yeah. It was a great time. And thanks for everybody that came out and we met you. And that was really fun. Timothy John, anything you want to add? Nope. I, uh, I talked about it on the last little intro to the bonus episode. Apologizing for the Facebook live snafu. La, listen. I personally love watching horizontal things filmed vertically. I don't know what the big deal is. All right. Well, the sound was the big deal. Oh, the sound well, wasn't working. Well, we're going to release all that stuff um, through YouTube and our normal podcast channels. And then I read a letter, an open letter to the spiritually homeless at the Q Commons event. And people have been asking for that. And we'll, we'll wrap that into, we'll probably release that audio too. Um, and release the the letter with that. So anyway, all that is to say, there's a bunch of stuff coming. Um, thank you, as always, for liking, subscribing, and rating the podcast. It absolutely matters uh, in the podcast kind of sphere of things. Um, and then we um, we had an announcement um, a couple of episodes ago about our desire to see micro communities, what we're calling micro communities, kind of form out of listenership and um and so we i got to meet a couple of micro communities kind of at these events which is awesome a group of ladies every tuesday night um gather together and listen to the podcast together it's so fun um and uh but but we've gotten a lot of feedback so I, i have a ton of ohio emails that I just started returning of saying, Lep, got your information. We're we're gonna launch not a church, but a Vox micro community here in Columbus, Ohio. Timothy John Stafford has already uh, begun one in Auburn, California. And you got several emails. I I, I hope you saw them from people I saying, saw Hey, them, yes, I'll add we, them to it. We actually live there. And then I got some emails from people wondering if there are listeners in their part of the country. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna hit these three real quick, and then we'll dive into our topic today. Um, so this is from somebody in the Bay Area. She says, "I love that you guys are starting micro communities. I'm wondering if it's possible to create a network of interested listeners so that we can connect with each with other people in our area. Yes, we want to do that." I live in the Bay Area, would love to start a micro community around here, but I'm not sure how to find other listeners. So if you are in Auburn, if you're in the Bay Area, if you're in Columbus, email us at hello at voxpodcast.com. Hello at voxpodcast.com. And that that gets that will get you into our whatever systems we have because we're super professional. Um, but if there's anybody in the Bay Area specifically listening to this, would you email in hello at voxpodcast.com and we can get you connected uh, to this person. We also have somebody who said, hey, I'm one of your interpreters. I've been I've already been doing this in a small online community. So they have a micro community just online, oh, look which at is them. super cool. I know, right? I would love to be connected though with other interpreters and like-minded folks in the Phoenix, Arizona Valley. Oh. Oh, now, nice. I know we've got some Phoenix folks yeah, we out do. there. So would you email me at hello at voxpodcast.com so I can get you in touch uh, with this individual. And then lastly, um, oh, where's the, oh, where is it? Oh, here it is. Hey, guys. Uh, thank you for all the efforts you do to reach people with so much baggage from the church. I just want to ask you if you have listeners from Toronto, Canada. Oh, oh. yeah. So let's go, Toronto. 
And so if you are a, uh, a Canadian, Tim is displaying a Canadian flag right now. <laughs> uh, if you are um, in or around the Toronto area, would you please email us at hello at voxpodcast.com. Um, what we ultimately want to do um, is to allow to to actually have a uh, a directory where people can connect with each other, but th- we've got a lot of work between now and then, so we're just going to start it doing it kind of the old fashioned way. All right, any other business, guys? We need to talk about. I don't. I mean, it feels like a lot, but I I don't know of anything else. Bonnie, you got anything? No. Okay, fantastic. All right, um, guys, I I um. I hate to say this again, but there was something upsetting on the internet no. last week. And um my my Twitter my 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 Twittering um was blowing up um around a video uh of a man named John MacArthur um at a at some sort of pastor pastor event and uh, was asked about a woman who is uh, whose name is Beth Moore. She is a She's a pastor teacher kind of person. I follow her on Twitter and I find her stuff to be really helpful. But Bonnie, give us give us a little context if you would for the video um and uh, and what was said for the people that that didn't see it. Yeah, so there's like a panel of pastors, John MacArthur being one of them, and they panel are panel of male pastors. Panel of male pastors and they are sitting and they're doing a word association game. So they say, I'm going to, somebody says, I'm going to give you a word and you give me one or two words in response to that word. So example, pumpkin, someone says pie or Halloween or Thanksgiving or whatever. So the first word they give is Beth Moore. And (laughs) this launches into a lot of things. So in response, he says, John MacArthur says, in response to Beth Moore, his word association was go home. And he proceeds to discuss that there is no biblical precedent to say that women can preach at all. Um, someone else that's on the panel chimes in and calls Beth Moore a narcissist mm-hmm. and says that she is a narcissist because she preaches herself and not the Bible, that she has been said that she puts herself in the narrative. Um mm. And so then this snowballs into the all these comments that they have um, regarding feminism, regarding that right now a problem in the evangelical church is that this is a direct quote, that men are rolling over for the women, that feminism is winning. He critiques the Me Too movement. Um, he also has a comment in there about how we are really allowing culture to exegete the Bible instead of exegeting it. And that he disagrees with, I guess that the SBC convention has said that you're going to have a translation committee. You need to have somebody of, um, that isn't white. So some, a person of color on the translation Mm. team and he critiques that saying, no, you just need to have people that, um, know Hebrew and Greek. So it launches into this huge sort of, Mm-hmm. bigger discussion and one of the other things he says in there too is that women and fem- the feminism movement feminism movement and women in general in the evangelical church um they want power and he says they they don't want jobs like being a plumber 
or a mechanic. They just want power. They want to be senators. They want to be pastors. And mm. we can't um, we can't let them win, is what he says. Mm. Okay. Well, it sounds like nothing to critique there. So this was a non-issue. <laughs> um, let's just move on. Yeah. So, so Bonnie, how does it feel to be the face of the problem of Christianity and evangelical or Christianity in America? Is it, that, I mean, you okay with that? Do you have any thoughts? I've got, I've got a few thoughts. Um, <laughs> I don't, my problem, there are, there are, I know a few um, people who are complementarians and we agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. This is about complementarianism, but it's also about something different. The mm. way that the conversation is handled in and of itself is troublesome. Um, if you listen to the audio about it, it's like a locker room that has disguised itself as like this conference. Like he says, go home. Everybody's laughing at her expense. Mm. Mm. Um, he discusses every time he discusses or insults somebody everybody's laughing and high-fiving. Mm. And so it's so sad on many levels because it's about women in ministry. That's how this conversation started. But it's about all these other things around it. It's about power and it's about the Bible and it's about um, toxic masculinity. I mean, it's about all these different things surrounding the exact issue. Yeah, and what troubles me is that I don't think that they're aware of that. Like, they just think it's about just allowing women to teach or preach. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I actually feel, mm-hmm. to answer your question, at this time, there was a time that if I heard something like this, I would totally recoil and question, should I um, Should I preach? Is this really allowed? Should I, you know, all these different things. Um, but I now feel actually honored and privileged to be the face of that because it hmm. in general my presence on stage Beth's Moore's presence in her bible studies on stage on twitter whatever it is anytime a woman is like answering the call on her life or going into her full gifting and part of the imago day is she's was we're standing up for all the women and saying like no if you disclude us you disclude half the church so for me it makes me angry, but it just makes me so sad. Like just the the spirit behind it was just like mm-hmm. sickening. It, it made me sick to my stomach the way that it was dealt with. Yeah, independent of the view. So if right. this was an egalitarian saying this about complementarians, it hopefully the same uh, critique would have been leveled, right? The mm-hmm. arrogance, the dismissal, the... Yeah. Um, the seeming self-righteousness. I mean, and again, I, I'm guilty of all and have been guilty of these things. Um, so I'm not speaking with, you know, without acknowledging the plank in my own eye for sure. Um, but, but so on one level, the very, the very obvious level, and, and I've even had some complimentarian friends just say, yeah, I mean, that it just gives us all a bad name. And for those of you new to this conversation, um, the, uh, there's a debate in Christian circles about the role of women in the church. And there's one view that says women have, are, are to have, they're equal in worth, but have very different roles than men in the household, in the church, and in society. 
Um, and there's another view called egalitarianism, which says, no, 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 the, the, the equal and, and dignity and worth we totally affirm. And we also affirm that women and men are different. And because of those differences, like there are differences in the way that, that women and men carry roles, but there's nothing in the Bible that prohibits women from exercising certain roles, offices, gifts right. uh, in the church. So that's just a little background for those of you. So, so John MacArthur has been a well-known Bible teacher, pastor for man. My dad, um, when I was in college, used to read him. So maybe 40 years, 30 years. I mean, big, you know, a big deal. Yeah. Well, he has like a John MacArthur study Bible, I think even. Absolutely. Like big deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Now that's not translating the Bible. No. Yeah. Um, so that's like a step below. Right, right, you right. know, having a study Bible isn't the same as translating the Bible. So I'm just, you know, maybe we should send him a, a Tim Shell. Oh, my gosh. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my <Just> gosh. <laughs> with Vox. Can you imagine? John from Vox with love. With why, love. why wouldn't we? Um, let's. I'd love to have him on the podcast. I mean, he was on Ben Shapiro's <laughs> podcast. That'd be that'd be fun. Um, uh, And so, so, I mean, this is not... For those of us who are over 40, which Bonnie is close, <laughs> this is not uh, some, some insignificant evangelical voice. Now, he's become that as, um, you know, because of, because of conversations like this that are just unbelievably tone deaf to what's happening in the world. But so the, so the earliest, and, and Bonnie, I'm so with you, the, 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 the easiest and obvious critique is, man... We dare never talk about brothers and sisters mm -hmm. uh, in Jesus this way, ever. I, I could, I mean, I just can't, the way Paul speaks of women in Romans 16, the way that Jesus treated them, there is nothing that would ever, ever, ever give biblical permission to speak about women or dismiss them in this way. I mean, they're absolutely, absolutely crazy. Mm -hmm. um, so given, correct? Tim, anything you want to add to that? Nope. <laughs> Haggard. <laughs> Hold on. Justy's calling. She hates this. Hey, Justy, we're recording. Oh, sorry. How are you? I'm not going to talk to you while you're recording. Well, you're talking to me right now, and we're recording. All right. I'll talk to you later. What's one thing you like about me? Bye. Oh, boy. And there it was. <laughs> so. <laughs> but so. So. So there's that. Yeah, go ahead. That's Keep what I going, say, Bonnie. Like, what's disturbing about that is that it's, it's, that's one of those moments where I think, okay, so sometimes God lets us tell on ourselves. Like, there is not, like, there's something going on that he, inside that he feels we need to belittle, we need to demean, we need to make mm -hmm. fun of. Like, to me, when I listen to that, and I would say, I would say the same for anybody, it, flip out the characters in this story. Um, but when right. we are pushing so hard to get something else, it says to me like, okay, something's being interrupted in you. And so it's hmm. fascinating to me that he's like, all they want is power. All they want is power. Right. And he's right. for women. And he's like, you never see a woman mechanic or you never see a woman. And I'm like, mm. I do actually all the time. I actually do mm. see that. Um, mm. And I don't think women want power some might but some men do i mean that's universal right some people want power but um in general it's i've said this like so many times but you just it's just so obvious of sometimes equality can feel like oppression 
And so to mm -hmm. me, I'm like, I and I was talking to my husband about it, and I'm like, he has his empire rests on him being on top. So if mm. somebody else, whether it be a person of color, whether it be a woman, is in equal with that, then it sort of crumbles. Like he has investment and it's staying the same. Do you know what I mean? Right. So yep. if it doesn't stay the same, then a lot of it crumbles. And I, you hear that in how adamant and how disrespectful he is in these conversations. Right. I think that, um, uh, yes, and, and, and true for anybody, I mean, not, you know, this, these are sorts of things that give complementarians a bad name. So mm -hmm. many of them would disown this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So no question about it. But let's get into some of the deeper issues because it starts out on women in ministry and we have a question about that. So let's save that until, okay. you know, for, for a couple minutes. And, and um, I, I, I want to talk about um, uh, the issue of, of uh, does culture lead the Bible? Yeah. Um, because, because certainly that can happen. No mm -hmm. question about that, right? The church is universally against divorce and then boom, divorce happens, divorce happens in culture and, oh, well, well now I guess we can live with it, even though Jesus was pretty clear, right? Um, uh, uh, one of the complementarian critiques as well, um, you know, this wasn't an issue until, um, feminism hit in the 70s, uh, 80s, and then all of a sudden you have scholars relooking at texts that have always been understood one way, right? And now going, oh, oh, well, maybe we were wrong about these. And the same thing they would make the argument with, with the church's view on homosexuality, right? Same thing. Well, culture opens up, boom, we go back and look at it. So, so do I think there's truth to the the fact that um, culture can lead us? Absolutely. I mean, would you agree with that? Like there, there is true that I'm not saying in these instances, I'm just saying in general, is that a valid concern? I would say yes. The issue, Bonnie's not saying anything. The I, issue. I'll say something. I just wanted you to finish. Well, the issue for me rather is, um, uh, cause I do think sometimes culture is ahead of where the church is. Yeah. So, so. Uh, I think the church actually, or the culture actually leads the church in some way, in some really beneficial ways. Like I would point to the Me Too movement as an example. Right. Right. The church wasn't going to confess its own sins. The, nobody in the church had the guts to come forward for, uh, on behalf of the powerless and the victims and say, hey, we have sinned so tragically. Nope. They all had to be caught and exposed. Right. 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 So hallelujah, the culture was leading the church. Mm -hmm. Right. Even with special special needs kids. I mean, what culture is doing and how people are to see those with disabilities, that's light years ahead of anything that was be, be, right. been done in the church. Right. right. So I see. So, so my first answer to that legitimate concern is, A, well, sometimes that's actually a good thing. Right. B, um, I think that even if you don't agree with what is happening in culture, you have to be absolutely fluid in it to have conversation within it. So if mm -hmm. you're going to engage culture, see what MacArthur doesn't realize is he's sitting in his own imperial culture um, and he's not quite the neutral uh, I just know Greek and Hebrew guy that he pretends to be, correct? Right. He's just as formed by his culture right. as everyone else is formed by their culture. Right. And the, and the best interpreters are the people who at least admit the culture they're formed by. Mm-hmm. 
and at least right. admit they have one. I think he thinks his culture is the God Jesus culture. And it's like, yeah, what's well, the Bible? Right, I, right, right. I just listen. I just preach the Bible. I, and and that's I just the read the, the Hebrew. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, and I would add a C point to that, which is I C. think it's actually our responsibility. We have to, like you just said, look at the culture and then look at the text. I think it's also our responsibility to like continually go back and ask the questions because sometimes, Absolutely. like you said, it deserves recapitulation and going, oh, okay, yeah. wait a minute, I'm going to revisit this and wait, what is actually happening here and, and how is the spirit yeah. informing things? So I think if we don't do that, we're not being faithful readers of the text at all. Yeah. Exactly. And that doesn't mean we're given a free pass to everything in culture. No. It just means that culture, that it, to, the way I look at it is culture drives me to the text and the study of the text drives me then to engage culture. Mm -hmm. And um, and both are needed, mm -hmm. right? You can't just sit, because I think the great gift of postmodernism has been the, 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 um, the uh, understanding of subjectivism in, in, insofar as it pertains to interpretation. Right, I'm not a subjectivist when it comes to language, uh, not fully. But there is something to the idea that um, the the lens through which I'm reading a text those have those lenses have been shaped and formed by personal experience, personality, training. You know, books I've read, books I never read. You know, blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And um, and the only or, or the best way, not the only way, the best way to really go after kind of a like a fully perspectival view of the text is to include all of these different lenses right. from all of these different people. Now, of course, they should know Greek and Hebrew, and of course, they, they should have reverence for the inspiration of the text. Great, 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 great. But um, they're, without a doubt, and, and they, this is the funny part. So the SBC's done this too. They're, they're, the SBC is engulfed in sexual scandal, but they want to talk about Beth Moore. Yeah. MacArthur's... <laughs> Seminary is is in danger of losing its accreditation, and it, before and part of the reason is because of his abuse of power. Mm. But we'd rather talk about Beth Moore and her quest for power. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it's uh -huh. just it's it's this it's this beautiful deflection onto an issue instead of the humble walking in sin and brokenness. That's like, dude, I really screwed this up. I and mean, we just never see this. Yeah. In, yeah. the, in evangelical institutions. We just don't ever see it. We don't see it, except more. The way she responded, she responded on Twitter, and she said, um, she's like, the good news is that like you don't get to say how I follow Jesus. If you don't want to follow things I say, you don't have to. But you don't get to right. say. But then she says, like, no matter how we agree on this, you're still my brother in Christ. Right. And uh, you're, but that's an example of somebody going, Hey, you know what I mean? It, she's not deflecting. She could have been nasty and nobody would have said, oh, shame I, no, on you. No, no, everybody would have said. <laughs> you think? They would have jumped on her. Absolutely. See, that's unfair. Listen, it's, it, that exists. It's completely. No, 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 no. And that, that I want to make that point. Mm -hmm. It is completely unfair because it, it, it's it's like the pushback we heard when we saw the the brother of that African-American killed in Dallas who was just sitting at home and this female cop walks in distracted and shoots him. Right. And then he gets off of the stand and hugs her. Mm -hmm. And 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 white America is going, dude, that's it. And black America is looking at that and saying, well, why does it always have to be us? 
Why do we always have to be the gracious ones? Well, in this instance, it seems very similar. Mm-hmm. Where Beth, if if she would have responded with anything, with snark, with sarcasm, with anything remotely sort of, um, you know, uh, just a, just a little not like a little not Christ-like, um, she'd have gotten she'd have gotten creamed, right? Yeah. And, and per- and not to, and then just more easily dismissed. Which is so funny that you said that word, Christ-like, because if you think about it, Jesus, it's not like he was super polite all the time. You know what I mean? No, like he put people in his place too. Paul. Yeah, yeah, that is true too. But you're right. If she would have done anything like that, it she would have been like, "See, that's what we're talking about." Yeah, exactly. It would have disqualified her automatically. Yeah. So, and that doesn't happen with a guy like John MacArthur. No. Right? He can say something like that. And, and so, so there is, I mean, and again, what's the word or what, what word are we going to use to describe that difference? Yeah. Right. You privilege. Okay. Or find another word. I don't care, but it is a real thing. Yeah. And, and I want to speak for a second to those of us he accuses of rolling over. Um, uh, first of all, I do roll over a lot. I'm a man that sleeps on my side. I like a comfy couch. So I have no question with rolling over. Secondly, in my marriage, I roll over all the time because it's some, some issues are just not worth it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> on this one, on this one, however, the idea that people with platforms would um, want to share them um, uh, with with voices that aren't normally platformed, um, I mean, this is a Gombus point, right? Freaking Gombus! That we need a Gombus drinking game. Anytime Gombus is mentioned, <laughs> I, somebody said that they did that. I can't remember yes. who that was. All right, so here we go. Ready? <laughs> Gombus, 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 Gombus. <laughs> they don't li- but, now. They can't listen anymore. But but aren't you <laughs> aren't you interpreting? Aren't you? Yeah, exactly. No <laughs> open containers. Um, but aren't you aren't you embodying the Philippians two thing, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's this self emptying thing that that now is what power looks like. Yeah. Right. And so for MacArthur to read this as a power game, it just betrays his own views of power, which are clearly not the same as Jesus or Paul. Yeah. Yes. And so I didn't. I saw nothing pastoral in that. I I, I saw a lot of you know when he says there's nothing in the Bible. We'll get to that. But I, but but uh, you know, I just thought it was very genu- disingenuous. So that was misleading. And I know this is a dramatic statement, but I'm really glad that version of Christianity is going to die. Yeah. So he'll die, and a lot of his followers who are in their 60s and 70s will die, and they won't. You know, they'll have gone to their deathbeds being right, and they'll have left left the emerging generations. You know, without the benefit of their wisdom, because they choose uh, to be so caustic. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just it's it's absolutely a waste. Yeah. To 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 um, leave emerging generations having to choose between um, what I think is nice, normal, respectful, dignified, and valuable, and being right in mm-hmm. a Christian sense. I mean, that's yeah. just. It frustrates me to no end. Well, and it's so it's so sad. I try to put myself in that room, and part of the reason oh. why these things are so um, are so damaging is the people that it's producing. I mean, right. is is they are an example, and then they sat in front of all these people and said, "It's okay to make fun of women like this. It's okay to make fun of right. other women on your staff or whatever else." And then I put myself then 
in that room. And I put myself yeah. in church meetings where that's happened to me. And the the damage that's done is um is terrible. It's um in some cases probably irreversible. There I I know women who have put themselves out there or who have um tried to lead a study or tried to speak up and they have said um you know, you're not allowed to do this or someone's just been blatantly rude and that that was it for them. And how sad for the church. We now have told, like, that's one less leader that we have speaking on right. behalf. And I, I don't know the story. I forgot about the story and it's coming to mind right now. I was at a, I worked at a church once and um, I was in a meeting and the, the uh, pastor, this story is not about you. I am not, <laughs> I am not telling well, this story. I'm, I'm glad to hear this. <laughs> I was getting nervous there for a second. Exactly, and the pastor said, "Does anyone have any uh, feedback on this on this sermon?" And so I raised my hand and I said, "Yeah, I think uh, the point you made here, like whatever I said." Yeah, and it was kind of silent or whatever. I got a call later that day. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. Uh huh. And don't you ever? He said, "You are not allowed to critique my sermons in front of anybody." Um. And I said, well, you asked. <laughs> you asked for feedback. Yeah. And he said, actually, you're, not, you're no longer allowed to talk. Oh, my Lord. In those meetings. Because you were, because you were a woman? Because you're a woman. He said, if you have something to say, you can say it in an email to me. Okay. And then the next day, I got called in by him and the senior pastor into a meeting. And they told me, um, you aren't allowed to have opinions of your own. They have to be our opinions. You aren't allowed to write anything on social media. You aren't allowed to say anything on stage ever again. Anything you want to say has to be run by us. I went wow. straight into the bathroom of that church and bawled my eyes out. for, a, And I was oh. like, I'm done. Like, I'm not... I'm done because I just, I didn't know that there was a different way. I didn't know. And I didn't know that there was a type of person that would come to bat for me. So it just made me so sad because I've been those women in that room. And I've also been the women that will be in those rooms with those leaders that heard it was okay to make fun of them. And so it's so hard because these stances are their stances. And you we can say he's holding power and, He's not being Christ-like, but he's teaching everybody else in that room that it's fine. And that's right. where the real problem is. The irony uh. of him calling, like, that one of the points was calling her narcissistic. <laughs> yes. It's just. <laughs> it's too palpable. I know. Good Lord. I know. So, I mean, Bonnie, that that is absolutely brutal. Yeah. Um, and I wish either we were friends or I would have known about that because not that I'm some guy who could do anything about it, but I would have loved to have been a countering voice. Um, that, that, you know, that, that, that is why the church, um, is, is being deconstructed by Jesus. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just true. It's, this is nothing like what the Bible presents as leadership as what the church should function as, as the family of God that the church is supposed to be. Yep. I mean, this is literally anti everything that Jesus and Paul modeled for us. And it's done in their name, which, you know, of course makes it all the more worse. 
Um, but but let me just say, I mean, it's to the point now, where, brothers and sisters, where if you're in a church where women are treated this way, you really just need to leave. Yeah. You Amen. really just need to leave because this will always this will always mask something else that's problematic. Oh yeah, it will always mask it, when it. Now listen, there are great complementarians and great complementarian churches. I'm not saying that simply in virtue of being complementarian, this is the stuff that's there. But when it's held with that kind of malice mm-hmm. and with that kind of um, power protection, there's always something else going on. Yep. And so flee. I'm so sorry, Bonnie. Dadgummit. Well, that's why we talk about this stuff. Yeah, so much, exactly. Because this exactly. is this is just a load of hooey. And I say all, right, all that. I just want to say, I say all that because you would be surprised at the amount of messages I get of someone saying, my pastor said this to me and that felt icky. And I'm like, that's because yeah. it is. <laughs> and yeah, I want women flee. to know like, hey, you, that happened to me too. And there is a way forward. Yeah. 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 I love it. I mean, I love that. Right, right, that. right, right. I don't love that you have to. Yeah, that's fine. All right, we got a question about this. <laughs> we if did. You wanna, if you want to head that direction. Okay, here it goes. I just recently yeah. read a Facebook post about John MacArthur telling Beth Moore to go home. The comment. Yes. There we go. The comment was directed at her because of his opinion about women speaking in the church and his opinion that Beth Moore is a narcissist. I was offended by these comments because in my observation, she is far from that. And personally, through her (laughs) teaching, I have seen lives change. Which, by the way, Beth Moore is quite possibly like the nicest, most Southern. I mean, she's like polite. I mean, it's like, I can't believe you found a problem with Beth Moore (laughs) of all people. Um, I mean, it'd be like saying, dude, Mr. Rogers is such a psychopath. (laughs) Exactly. Now, there it's were rumors like, for years that the reason that he wore that long sweater was because he was a um, a sniper for the government, <laughs> and he was had <laughs> sleeves just tatted up his arms. We I we heard this all growing up that he was just the gnarliest, quietest little like sniper in the army. So you Dude, never know. You never know. <laughs> and the band Kiss stood for Knights in Satan's Service. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know. Okay, back to the so, question. Thankfully, we had Petra. Yes. Do you even know what that is? Petra. No. Petra, Petra was, was Jesus's yes. <laughs> was was Jesus's answer to kiss. And then um and then what was it? Striper. <laughs> Striper was Jesus's answer to like the the rock of the mid eighties. So anyway, I don't know these Bonnie, things because you guys are hey, so much Bonnie, older than me. You're well, not really. Um <laughs> Bonnie, I just think you've been sheltered a little bit. Um, the culture wars of the 1980s were 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 just brutal. I probably were. So you would go into a Christian bookstore and you would have Christian music, and it would say if you if you like Bon Jovi, then oh. you like whatever the band was. Oh, I yikes. worked at that store and I had to make those labels. And moms would come in and they'd be like, "Hey, my son really likes the Smashing Pumpkins. What's like that?" And I'd be like, "Well, I'm supposed to tell you this, but to be honest, Smashing Pumpkins are." tremendously better so you, should just <laughs> good. you should just let them be yeah. oh lord oh god fired really shocker shocker okay here we go finish the question i typically will not respond to facebook posts like this but i felt so strongly that i could not resist not sure if this was the best idea However, I got some strong <laughs> strong responses from a few that I think would classify as, quote, an institutional Driscoll-like response, end quote. Okay. 
Is there any response, or in their response, they reference Apostle Paul stating reasons why women should not teach, but I would like to hear how they might be misinterpreting his words. I have heard Bonnie talk about the criticism and harsh treatment, for example, calling her a heretic regarding her speaking in churches. So your podcast came to mind. Can you explain your position on this and why he would reference Paul's teaching as proof as to why women should not be allowed to teach or why he is taking this out of context? P.S. I know this is not the most well thought out and written message, but I hope you get what I'm asking. (laughs) Besides, the chicken is in the oven. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. That might be clearly... my most quoted and anything. Oh, that's ever. clearly the winner of whatever <laughs> Christmas mug we're gonna make. Um. All right, B. You wanna you wanna start off on that? You want me to? You I want, want you to, to go. I like to, I like it when you do your exegesis thing and then I chime in because really nobody does it like you and you're really thought out. That's that it's not. You know what? I think we let our uh, listeners decide. Because okay. you're really good at it. And you make it like um, accessible, you know? So, and well, I always learn okay. things. Well, Bonnie, you're very sweet. Um, so, so a, a lot of this, when our heated conversation gets released mm-hmm. uh, in a couple of weeks, we're releasing both audio and video. We'll get into like, we spent a lot of time on the, some of the big passages. Yeah. Um, like I tried to maybe in 10 minutes sort of do the whole, like what's first Timothy kind of thing. But, but let's start by asking, by, by answering kind of some of her beginning questions. Like, yes, Paul seems there are three passages now, uh, you know, you can argue there are others, but there are three big ones where Paul seems to limit the role that women have in the church. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, in First Timothy two, he says women are. T- he says I do not permit women to teach or have authority over a man, or I don't not permit a woman to have to teach and have authority over a man. And um, in in First Corinthians eleven, we have this bit about head coverings while men and women are prophesying and praying in front of the church, um, where he. Paul invokes uh, idea of headship and, and the idea of glory that the man is the glory of God and the woman is the glory of man. You're like, well, that's really weird. Right. And then in um, and then in First Corinthians 14, maybe I'm getting these two confused, but in 14, um, he's he tells women to be silent. Um, I encourage women to be silent and to ask their husbands about things when they get home. Mm-hmm. So those are the three. So the reason those get quoted all the time is because, well, it just says it in English. So there you go. Right. And I've even seen complementarians just say, well, I, here's just what the text says in English. So end of story. Right. And the answer, of course, is no, it's never it's never that easy because the text in English also says that Junia was an apostle and um, Phoebe was a deaconess who who bore and translated or interpreted the letter. Now, it doesn't say this in the text, but it's implied. Uh, the letter of Romans to the Christians in Rome. Right. Uh, it mentions any number of house church house churches that were run by women. 
You have, uh, of course, the examples of Jesus and his uh, very countercultural views on elevating women in, into discipleship. You have Priscilla and Aquila and the unique countercultural reversal of their names. It's usually the man first, then the woman. But when they're described as teaching Apollos, who was a very well-known teacher, um, their names are reversed, mm. uh, implying that Priscilla was the more prominent teacher of the two. Um, so you also have that in English. And so you're left with three passages that, that absolutely do some, they have some prohibition to women's roles and, and some accommodation of patriarchy. Um, and then you have very clearly other texts where women are empowered, um, both directly, but then you have like an Acts 2 quoting Joel passage where the poor, the spirit will be poured out on women, um, or Galatians 3.28, where Paul is saying that gender distinctions are no longer relevant for service in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, and they're counters to all of this, I understand. I'm just trying to give an overview. Um, so you have two sets of data points. You have data that seems to say there, there are occasions for women's roles to be reduced um, and an accommodation to patriarchy. And, and a great example of that accommodation are the resurrection accounts, right? In mm-hmm. the Gospels, the women are the eyewitnesses to the resurrection. But when Paul takes the creed that was developed out of the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, and he starts listing eyewitnesses, he skips the women altogether, mm-hmm. um, right? And there were cultural reasons why you would do that. Um, which makes it all the more striking the Gospels didn't exclude the testimony of the women, but based the whole thing on right. the testimony of the women. So fascinating there. But but you have both sets of data. And the question then becomes, um, how do we best explain the fact that complementarians can find biblical warrant for their view and egalitarians can find biblical warrant for their view? How do you explain this? Because there are really good Jesus-honoring people on both sides, and there are really bad non-Jesus-honoring people who are abusing the texts on both sides. Right. Right? Because there's a continuum, right, everywhere. So the the way that I explain this, um, and the, the best way that I've seen this explained, is twofold. Uh, the first is that uh, the idea that the kingdom of God is, is both here and not yet here. It's here and it's coming. And so there's a now and a not yet. Um, when Paul talks about salvation, he's talking about it now. Yes, that the spirit is given now, sins are forgiven now. But he also means it in a future sense, the redemption of our bodies, the redemption of desire, the new heavens, the new earth, all of those sorts of things. So it's here, but it's not fully here. What I see Paul uh, particularly do is to take this idea of the now and not yet net, not yetness of the gospel and introduce it into cu- cultural and social such situations that were usually usually very hierarchical. He would introduce that gospel dynamic into those situations. Um, knowing that ultimately those circumstances would be overturned, but he would not overturn them directly because he wanted to give the gospel a hearing. Mm -hmm. So it would be the equivalent of of Bonnie going to Afghanistan and being told by the church leaders in Afghanistan, hey, you should wear a head covering. Mm -hmm. You should never be seen alone. Um, You should always be in the presence of a man. You should never talk to a man who is not your husband um, or your relative directly. Mm-hmm. Right? right. I do not permit women to not wear head coverings 
in Afghanistan, right? So, right. so Paul is making temporary missionary accommodations to patriarchy for the sake of giving gospel, the gospel a hearing while at the same time introducing the gospel dynamics, which will ultimately overturn the idea of hierarchy to begin with. Right. That's what I got. <laughs> no, I love that because it's, um, it, also, it also feeds into what we're talking about, about culture, right? This would be an example of how we are going, okay, this is the culture and we're trying to make Jesus beautiful. Like sometimes mm -hmm. you have to make a temporary accommodation to it. But here, yeah. here's my problem is that, what, what do you say about this? Because something MacArthur says in his thing too, is he says, the reason why feminism is taking over is that it's bad biblical teaching from the pulpit. I would mm -hmm. say if people knew things like that, you'd have a different idea about it. But that's right. not being told. Like, that's one of the reasons why I was compelled to do Tim Shell is because, like, there's so much background stuff and people don't know those things. So all they've been told is this thin line. So, like, what do you say to people that are like, oh, my gosh, I never heard it that way? Um, why doesn't everybody know this? Like, I'm continually <laughs> stumped on that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, like, who is it that's like preaching and why is, aren't we being told the whole story? Well, but that's true. So the first thing I would say is that's true in a lot of different areas, right? So when Gombas shows on our, you know, shows up in our podcast and talks about why did Jesus have to die mm -hmm. using the cosmic powers and principalities, right? Right. What what he's not doing is he's, he's not contradicting something that's been said before. Right. But but remember the definition of heresy from from Alan Hirsch. It's when you make one point the whole point. Yes. And so what's happened to us in our, in our, even in this is, this is really a symptom of evangelicalism yeah. as it, as over against Catholicism or mainline denominationalism or whatever, is that we are so looking to simplify uh, the message and to reduce it to its, you know, barest components that what we, we've done that with salvation, that salvation is just ticket to heaven when you die. Right. We've done it with faith. Faith is believing in your heart, something, some private transaction, right? We've done it with the idea of church, that it's a weekly event. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we've done it with the idea of spiritual gifts, that these are the, that you're just serving at the church, whether it's childcare or whether you're, you know, administrating right. or helping or whatever. Right. So there's this, this great sort of reductionism and, and it's driven primarily by pragmatism we just want to do whatever works mm -hmm. the problem is we've not paid enough attention to spiritual formation on the back end of that mm. so we're great at getting people to pray the prayer and to, and to you know cross the line quote unquote although yeah. there isn't that image in the gospels what we're horrible at is forming people out of that thin gospel into people who actually look like jesus now as it pertains to women in ministry what you've what you've got are um, people who have identified um, very clear lines and hierarchies in the Bible that are much more nuanced and complex than what they appear to be in the teaching that we've been given. Right. And so anybody that goes back and questions them is automatically put into the camp of, well, you're just re-examining them because culture is going that direction. And I've been accused of that, of course. And and certainly there is a kernel of truth to that. But, but it's not the case that while culture may drive us back to the text, we may actually see things in the text that, that weren't ever taught to us mm -hmm. in virtue, not necessarily, uh, you know, not necessarily because of, of malice or whatever, 
but simply because um, we've we've all had this very vested interest in simplifying uh, the gospel to consumers, mm-hmm. and we've not, and nuance isn't welcome there. Mystery isn't welcome there. No one that I've read, no, no I shouldn't say no one, but n- not very many people on either side of the complementarian egalitarianism debate will admit there 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 are good points on both sides. The best way that I know to approach it is to is to um, Acknowledge there are sides on both or points on both sides, and then and then figure out how the gospel's being worked out in the middle of that. And and the other thing I would say, if I'm over answering, but I, I'm really passionate about it, Paul does this with other things too. So slavery, mm-hmm. right? Philemon is the paradigm example of Paul's take on slavery, right? He could have said to this runaway slave, dude, get out of there. Get out of there. You know, if you can, he says, get your freedom. But he's not, he's not arguing to, against slavery as an institution. Mm. Um, what he does instead is he says to the slave owner, greet your slave as you would a brother. Now, that mm. is so unbelievably countercultural, mm-hmm. right? We, mm-hmm. we, don't even, we can't even appreciate what that is, how upending that is within the overall institution itself. Or take the, the accommodation of polygamy. I hear this all the time. Well, God allowed polygamy. But that was never his ideal. So God accommodates to our real mm. while he invites us to his ideal all the time. Mm. right? And this is what missionaries do. And mm-hmm. our God is a missionary God. And so this is what I see Paul doing all over the place with slavery, with male and female roles, with power structures. He's always introducing dynamics that will undo the structures that he's speaking into. But he does it in a way that does not allow the authorities to see Christianity as a threat because he wants the gospel to be made attractive. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I I think in addition to that, I'm wondering, so like how you're talking about slavery, but we could say the same is true for women right now and people of color in the church, is there was a time when those voices weren't present. And then all of a sudden now, they are present. And so what that makes me think of is Galatians when all these Gentiles are coming into the church and it was, or, you know, and it was always like, well, they have to be circumcised. Well, that's because nobody was ever an adult coming in. So now there's an adult right. boy saying, no, 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 I, I don't want to be circumcised. And so then they go back and Paul makes a case of like, hey, they don't have to be. You know what I mean? And so I right. see that type of thing well, happening about, as well. And think about what he's putting in its place. So Galatians 3 is a really interesting passage because I do think some egalitarians make it say something it doesn't really say. Mm. But Paul quotes, he quotes Genesis there. And, and, and you miss it in English because the way it's written in English is like there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Right. But that's not how it reads in Greek. In Greek, it's there's neither Jew nor free, slave nor Greek, no male and female. Mm. And he's, that phrase is directly, it's the Greek phrase, um, that that the Septuagint used to describe the Genesis passage, where in his image he created the male and female. Now you're like, mm, okay, minorly cool point. Why does it matter? <laughs> well, um, one of the things that the complementarians will argue um, is that Paul appeals to creation order in order to make his arguments. Right, and he will make we we are told Paul will make much hay with the idea that Adam was formed first. When you get back into how Paul uh, treats the creation texts uh, in a place like this, for instance, 
uh, you realize that the appeal to creation text has nothing to do with hierarchy. Mm. And it ha- doesn't have to do with power. It rather has to do with getting back to the mutuality um, that male and female signified um, in Genesis. And so um, so Galatians 3 is this really interesting, like, it's not saying, of course, that there aren't genders, and it's not saying that there aren't slave or free. But, but the bigger point is he says you're all one in Christ Jesus. Now, what, what is the oneness based upon? Well, the oneness is now based upon baptism. The problem with circumcision, it was only done to males. Mm. So there was no covenant symbol available to females who wanted to follow Jesus apart from males. Right. Baptism now is the universal sign to male or female, Jew or Greek, mm. slave or free. Right. Right. So, so, I mean, what Paul's doing, and he's appealing to Genesis to do it, is it, he is he is throwing open the previous distinctions that would have rendered... Uh, a woman's approach to Jesus as as valid only through her husband or right. a male relative. Mm-hmm. Now it's totally valid on her own. Now again, this doesn't sound like much to us, but but he's upending, and it's so subtle because for two thousand years later, we're an enlightened democratic republic. For for them, this was this was unbelievably magnificent, and the mm-hmm. reason Paul had to correct, I think, female teachers is because there was nothing else like this mm-hmm. in the world. There were other cults where women were only allowed to be priestesses, and women and 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 eunuchs, men would castrate themselves to serve as priests. That was like the Kimala Artemis cult in Ephesians. But there was nothing saying that male and female are equal and that their maleness and femaleness, rather than being the basis for a hierarchy, is now the basis for mutual support, encouragement, and service in the kingdom. There was nothing like that being said. Right. So anyway, I mean, I don't know if that was worth a small rant. No, I think it was good. I think it was good. I mean, it just brings up the point, though, like when people talk about culture and it influencing the text, like, I don't think, A, we realize that we see Paul doing that. Um, but B, because, like, in these examples of it, and right now, too, when somebody all of a sudden has a voice and says, hey, I'm not represented here, or hey, what are you going to do with me in the church? We right. have two responses, to listen and go back to the text, or to just say, no, all you want is power. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the other part of the, the question was, Hey, would you go through these texts? That's what we do at heated. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so instead of like recapitulating, um, which is a fancy way of just summarizing our <laughs> answers, uh, we'll just direct you to that audio and video when it comes out. But we wanted yeah. to, to talk about this issue, particularly from Bonnie's point of view, because, you know, it, I, I can be upset by it, but it doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I find it completely nonsensical, that reaction, um, and and totally offensive, but I'm not the object of that, right? Right. So I, I was really eager to hear sort of um, uh, your take on it. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but that the way this was uh, certainly did not represent the, the community of Jesus well in any way, shape, or form. Right. Yeah. Any last things you want to add, Bonnie? No, no. I just, I think I'll need to think on it a bit, but um, yeah, it's just the whole thing made me sad and sick to my stomach, but, and, and, and at the same time, not surprised, unfortunately, you know? 
Right. Yep. Which maybe says something else about the whole system. Right. right. <laughs> but. Timothy, how about you, buddy? I just think that it's also good to encourage people who have grown up or been formed by this culture that it's okay to acknowledge that, apologize for it, and change. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Because sometimes I feel like we people just feel kind of stuck. And they may yeah. be like, man, you know what? I don't think this is right, but... I don't know what to yeah. do now. John MacArthur is saying it's right, so... You know, as someone who grew up in that culture, hmm. you know, I feel like every now and then I have to acknowledge it, apologize for it, and then mm. change where I'm sitting. I appreciate that. I will so. say, um, as a woman that's been there, as a pro, like been told those things as a product of it, your apologies and like people listening, your apologies mean a lot. Uh, you think like I'm just apologizing to no one or whatever. No, they really affirm and they heal. And they give women, honestly, like courage to try again. And that's a big Mm. deal because if we want the church to change, we want women to be represented in the church, then that's part of it, you know? So, and I've said this before too, is anytime you have a platform and you can share it with a woman, you should, especially in the church, they don't get opportunities unless men give it to them, at least right now. So that's huge. I'm just glad you didn't end your journey in that bathroom after that guy was so unkind to you. Yeah, I, you know, another friend came in mm. and was like, no, you can't let them win. You can't let them win. And I ended up quitting. Mm. But um, thank you for Hallelujah. saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. All right, friends. Well, as always, we are so very honored to spend some time with you. Um, we are listener-supported completely. And if you go to voxpodcast.com, there are two ways that you can help support the podcast, and in, 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 in an instance like this, one of the reasons why we'll continually talk about these things as they come up is because we just want to remind people it doesn't have to be this way. I think Tim Tim's point about feeling stuck is absolutely right. Mm-hmm. That it feels like if you leave the you leave that tribe, the only other tribe out there is the incredibly progressive and you throw it all out kind of tribe, and um, that's not true. That's not true. There are loads of us who love Jesus, love the Bible, resonate with things from all over the political and theological spectrum, but are, you know, but fundamentally agree on the beauty of Jesus. And so uh, we always need help uh, to continue this. And so if you go to voxpodcast.com, you can um, support us on Patreon, um, which is kind of tiered sort of thank yous that are great for monthly support. And then an ongoing support. And then um, there's something called Tithely that um, for for people that kind of consider this more of a spiritual home um, and do one-time gifts, that's the better place there. But either way, we're absolutely privileged to do this and we're grateful for all of your feedback and questions. Um, uh, just one last reminder, email us at hello at voxpodcast.com with questions, comments, or anything in particular about micro communities, we'd love to hear from you. Yep. So with all of that said, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And in these days, give us peace. And in Tim's case, give us electrical power. Amen. 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 Amen.